Semenza good on the jerk for 220. Because Paige Semenza is going to take the Heat win. As Paige Semenza is in, and she will return to the CrossFit Games. In third place, former hockey player Paige Semenza. All right, welcome back to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. I'm here with Alex Parker, and today we have our good friend and buddy Paige Semenza back on the show. She was on Hi guys. episode number 57 uh, back in the around February time frame, so almost 20 episodes later, and you're, you're back, so welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Appreciate it. So um, there's been a lot that's happened since the last time you were on. I guess uh, so far the season has gone to plan. Um, yes, it you. has. So we did the Open, CrossFit Open, and that was around the February time frame when you were on last time. That was just before. And then we had okay. quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And then we had semifinals. And you went to unlike last year where your semifinal was online you got to compete in person this year at yeah. uh syndicate crown which was in tennessee one of the two competitions in tennessee so how did that go uh i would say it went pretty darn well so finished for third there which was pretty awesome i didn't just like you know sneak by that weekend i actually got on the podium which i thought was pretty cool so um, first year I qualified in like the regional format, I made fifth, like barely hanging on by a string. And then the year after was sanctionals. So I came in second there, which was kind of cool in 2019, but, um, it just kind of a different feel then, you know, you're not up against the best in your region or the best in, in the country. So to have a third place finish in a pretty, pretty highly ranked, uh, roster of women was pretty awesome so and you were the only you were the only competitor there to not have a single finish outside of the top 10 yeah which um is my my goal was to go top five for every event so I actually like intern internally had a goal of that but uh I didn't quite do it but I would say you know next you know best case scenario was inside the top 10 for all for all six of them yeah. And that's a pretty cool and important statistic, I think, because it really goes to show you, um, you don't necessarily have to have like home run events, but if you can stay consistent in that top 10, that really means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So in, you know, it was, if you look at the rest of them, like, you know, Christy was someone who had to have home run events, you know? So like, it was kind of cool to see the, it all kind of play out the way it did and just see the different ways that people qualified in our in our uh semifinal. I thought was kinda neat. So but I I do pride myself for being very consistent there and I I'd say that's the thing I walk away most proud about was that weekend of just consistency overall. Yeah. It's it's nice to come away with no real holes exposed. So Yeah. Yeah. Really yep. really cool. It was fun to watch. We Thanks. have not been really in the habit of watching too much CrossFit um until this year. We were particularly yeah. interested in yours and, <laughs> um, you know, kept up with it a little bit more. So thanks. Yeah. Really stoked. I appreciate for you. that. 
Um, Thanks. You made some posts on social media, and that's the reason why we want to have you on today. And I, I thought the theme of these posts was really cool. Um, I like to break things down in this way, kind of like you, um, you do. And so you talked about the big four and these components that go into a successful weekend of competition for um, probably not just you. I would say it's all athletes, but you, I just haven't heard them really discussed in this light before. So um, before we get into the specifics of those, like when did, when did this concept kind of, uh, enter your mind, like these, these big four elements? Um, so obviously I've, I've seen many changes <laughs> since working with you, uh, specifically with my nutrition and just lifestyle and eating and things like that. Um, so that I never fully concentrated on or like seen the big picture with it. Um, so that, that's kind of where the nutrition side of it came in. And then, you know, the more that the sport evolves, the more that, you know, the ideology, all that kind of stuff evolves, you know, your training has to evolve as well. And the older you get, the more you evolve as an athlete and as just, you know, just as a person, but, uh, our, our training through Misfit Athletics has evolved and we talk a lot about athlete IQ and just, you know, your overall, how well do you know yourself and the importance of warming up and cooling down and really, really emphasizing those things in training. Um, you know, I've seen a huge change with that as well and just sticking to it and sticking to the plan. And then, you know, competing is, is what we go out there to do. So you can't have a big four without that actually in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so the big four are, uh, nutrition, warm yep. up, cool down. And then I like how you left number four compete. Um, yeah. and it's, which is kind of, cause those three really do set the stage. Um, and then, you know, what you said about athlete IQ, I think is really important. And, um, it's been a big component of, uh, like our training history, like with OPT, it's, you know, know yourself is a big, part of it. And it's, it's not just understanding what your limitations are in specific events. I think everybody knows how important that is, but even, you know, what feels right for you from a nutrition standpoint or, you know, cool up or cool down, warm up, how you need to mentally prepare, how you break things down in your head, that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, being a, a smart athlete and well, like tuned into your body. Yep. And athlete IQ goes from, just like you said, your nutrition, you know, all the way down to, you know, how you break up a workout and things like that and how you strategize a workout and just knowing yourself. So there's a lot of intricacies that go into the athlete IQ. And that's, I think that's why, I think that's what separates Misfit Athletics as well is we really dive into those things and, you know, make you think about more than just a workout and more than just, you know, going into the gym. Like there's so much more to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, I feel like the big four is somewhat subjective because like obviously nutrition, but then it's like, instead of warming up, I like to crack jokes and have fun. And uh, then instead of cooling fair. down, I usually either celebrate <laughs> or cry. <laughs> and I guess that can, that's like cooling down and then compete. I guess that's, yeah, that's not as subjective, but the warm up cool down, I just never really saw the point. Is that really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I definitely warm up for a, like competition, but like the cool down, I'm like, eh, let's just move on. I do this. See, I, I was the same way. 
always the same way. And this year, just even in training, like, okay, I'll just take an extra 10 to 15 minutes to cool down. And you just start to add it in and it starts to become a habit. And you see the benefits of, you know, you, know, you talk about blood pooling at, you know, from spiking your heart rate, going and doing something incredibly difficult into just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. And then you just stop, you know? So um, that that's kind of where that came in. And in, you're right. It is subjective for sure. Like, so, you know, maybe someone's cooling down is like, all right, let's go eat ice cream. Is the cool down, down. <laughs> is the cool down like, would you say that there's a real mental benefit to that or is it more physiological for you or both I guess uh yeah it's definitely a combination of both you know <clears throat> we I'll, I'll always refer back to a lot of things that we talk about Meredith and I um you know kind of that goldfish mentality is as soon as a workout is done it's time to get ready for the next workout and the cool down is kind of it's the end of one but it's the beginning of another so you start to mentally you know, whatever frustrations or successful things happened in the workout you just did, you got to kind of forget about it and move on to the next one and get ready. So that is still like, you know, cool down, but prepare for the next thing. And that's, that's the start of you preparing for the next workout. I do this thing with, uh, with warmups. I like a very, very general warmup that really doesn't involve much of what I'm going to be doing in the workout at all. And that's for a specific reason. And it's because, I do better. Like if I know something's going to hurt, I need to not do anything like it. And it's like, <laughs> and I was, I've always kind of been that way. I just like, I go into workouts sort of cold from like a, a movement specific standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm doing a workout with muscle ups, maybe I warm up with like some kettlebell swings or something that gets my, like, like the same muscle groups going, but isn't a lot of the same exact repetition. And then I, I've mm -hmm. been reading or I have read in the past about this, um, psychobiological model of motivation and it's more specifically for endurance sports but you can see exactly how it carries over to crossfit and one of the things so it's when it talks about motivation it's not like oh i want to go do this it's it's more like when you're in a, a workout or in a, an event how motivated are you to try hard in that event like to go from rpe 8.5 to 9 or 9.5 like how do you how do you get there and one of the things that influences whether an athlete is willing to go there is memory of like of similarly painful events. So that's also something that makes it harder for older athletes is our bank, like our memory for, for pain is, is like that bank's really <laughs> full. So you can look yeah. at a workout and you probably in your head, you'll have, have, you can come up with three, four, maybe even up to 10 workouts that are very similar. And like, you're immediately like, Oh yeah, that's going to be awful. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have like a strong memory for pain versus younger athletes who are kind of naive to that. And so that they don't have that, they don't have to fight against that. So they can kind of go there a little more readily than a more experienced athlete. But on a micro level, I find if I do a warm up that has a lot of what I'm going to be doing in the workout, it demotivates me for that workout. Like I don't want to do it. I'm going to dial it back. That's I'm interesting. Like, well, shit, the work, like the warm up is hard. How am I going to do yeah. that? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I just I thought that was that was interesting That's about interesting. the, the warm ups. Yeah, there's yeah, also like sure. there's also like the concept of bracing, which is when you know something's going to be hard. Like rather than going into it being naive about or ignorant to the fact that it's going to hurt, bracing for it allows you to go there and like be mentally prepared for it and probably physically. 
but I yeah. guess it's like, I guess you're, you're still bracing in a way. You're just not like tapping. I don't have to do it to know. Yeah. I'm mentally bracing yeah. about having to experience, like add another experience to my bank of painful experiences. Yeah. So I, I'd say I agree with all of that, but for me, I, it's a little bit different. And, um, I think at semifinals at the games, it's more about getting the nerves and the jitters out. So <clears throat> like our, to kind of go through a flow of our warmups. Um, and this is a lot of us with misfit. Um, we'll do a, a sweat check, which is just 15 minutes on a machine. You can do different machines, things like that, but increasing your heart rate every five minutes and trying to build up. And then from there you do some mobility, some activation work, um, <clears throat> some movement prep comes in. So if it's heavy deadlifts, you start prepping up, building your bar, things like that chest to bar, go through a progression to warm up your shoulders. Um, but before we get corralled, we always do a primer. And our primer is anywhere from three to five minutes of getting our heart rate up to the point that we think we're going to get it up to in the actual workout. So we want our primer to feel pretty shitty, if not shittier than what we're going to do in the workout. Yeah. And that that mentally prepares me. So as much as I know that something is going to be super painful, I have to feel it prior to doing it yeah. so that I'm ready, you know? So, and especially when you're corralled for 10 to 15 minutes and you're just idle time, it's like, okay, well, the jitters are all going to come back, but at least I prime my body to not just be shocked by what I'm about to do. Yeah. Have you ever accidentally warmed up too much? Yeah. Really? For sure. Yeah. Um, I do love, like, it's more of the accumulation of a weekend. So, like, yeah. I felt like at, yeah, I felt like at semifinals, I did a great job. Like, the longer warm-ups was fine because it was only two workouts a day. And I'm used to, you know, five or six different pieces a day in training. Um, the games, I still think I'm going to need that 15-minute sweat check and a primer before every single event. But I think... Like after doing our mock games weekend, um, not going crazy on all different machines. Whereas like when I'm back home, I'll do five minutes on a rower, five minutes on a bike, five minutes on a ski, and I'll always kind of alternate yeah. it. Whereas this past weekend, I was like, okay, well, let's see what 10 minutes on a C2 bike and then five minutes on a different machine is going to feel like and do that for every single event. Just because the C2 bike is a little bit lower intensity. It just, you can just get blood pumping to your body um, without really doing much. So um, I did that a lot over the weekend while we had mock games weekend. So I think that's something that I'm going to take forward going into uh, going into the games, but the primer is always going to have to happen. Like I have to, I have to shock my, my body into, I have to trick it. I have to just, you know, <laughs> make it happen. So whether it's, you know, go for a 15 second assault bike sprint and that's it. Like it, it's different per event. And it's not always like you guys were saying, like it's not always the same movements. Yeah. So like maybe we're going out and doing bar muscle ups and, and I don't know, power cleans. Like the primer is going to be like assault bike, bar facing burpees, a couple power cleans, you know? So it's very simple in concept and, it doesn't need to be complicated to work. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing about the games too, and it's, it's, I don't think it's something that many people think about until you go do it is it. They're usually what it's like 15 events, usually sometimes more. Yeah. So that's like 
that's already a lot. So you have warm-ups for each event. Um, that uh, like, honestly, at least when I was there, they got progressively a little bit shorter just because like that volume yep. does kind of start to accumulate. But then you also have the walking around and in Madison, you are walking a ton from That's like true. the standing. athlete corral. You're standing, you're doing, you're, you have to wait around for <laughs> athlete briefings and all of that is volume on your body. Like you're, yeah. you're not resting, you're not relaxed. You're usually standing up or sitting up on like bleachers. And so that's like all of that volume starts to accumulate. And not only do you have to be mindful of that in your, like your warm ups and your cool downs and just what you're doing with your energy, but like you have to eat for that too. Like it's, it's not yeah. just the volume of work that you're doing, like from a competition standpoint, like one of the main differences between the games and semifinals is, um, and even regionals is, you know, you walk in the regionals, you walk from your, where your stuff is, you walk to the warm up area, which is usually like 50 feet away. Then you walk to the corrals, which is 50 feet away from that. Then you yep. compete on a very small <laughs> arena and then you walk back. There's not a lot of like right. moving and standing when you're killing time, you're, you're relaxing a lot. So it's, it's a totally different beast. And I think that's what, yeah. what makes the games really unique is cause it's, it's a different and more difficult thing to prepare for. Right. And it's like, everything is kind of on like a timeline, but sometimes you don't know what that timeline is until the day of, or like the hour of, and they're like, okay, go warm up, you know? So it's like, as much as you are prepared to have a super long day, you don't really know the full flow of that long day. Yeah. So, and that's actually, I really didn't even think of that. Cause like when we did mock games this weekend, it was just like, okay, do your primer, stand around for 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so like you, you got to really consider that and take that into account. But like you were saying, I was going to just say you have to eat for it too. So it's not just the stress of competing. It's the, the added time on your feet, Yeah, you know, and just sitting around like that. It's still stressful. Yeah. We'll get to the nutrition. The last thing I want to ask about the warm up piece before we move on is how do you like there's there's obviously a lot of nerves and stuff that's going on. But what do you like what is your your practice with visualization or self talk or like what are you what are you working through while you're warming up and actually like preparing to go out there? So definitely in the sweat check is where I will I'll sometimes put a set of headphones on and just put my own music on and kind of zone out depending on like, you know, where I'm at mentally throughout the weekend. So um, I'll put a pair of headphones on and that 15 minutes is just 15 minutes to myself. Like my coach doesn't come over to me. Ben wouldn't come over to me. It was just like, okay, this is my time to get in the zone and get ready for what I'm about to do. And that's the time that I'll take to visualize myself working through the workout. So you know, 15 minutes, it doesn't sound like much time, but when you're just sitting on a machine and kind of zoning in and meditating, it, it can be a pretty long time. So that's, that's where that comes in. And then, you know, if there's, if I feel extra jittery, like after a primer, I'll even go and hit an assault bike for another 10 to 15 seconds, just to try to get it out. Because especially at the games, you could have a wheelhouse workout and still come in like 20th place, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, so you just don't know what it's going to be like when you get out there. You don't know, you know, as much as you have your plan, you don't know anybody else's plan. So that's the, it's the unknown, you know, it's just that, that brings another element to it. And it's just another part of being stressed about it. 
Yeah, totally. So I have one more question on the warm up, and then we can move on to the cool down. So like, when if somebody if you're if you're like in the zone, visualizing and like being super intense, like what if what do you say when somebody like me comes up and they're like, hey, oh my gosh, great job in the last event. How are you feeling <laughs> about this one? Are you like the type that's like, Ugh. or are you like, hey, hey, I'm I'm just give me a minute. Give me 10, no. 20 minutes. Like, what do you do? Does that bother I'm you? I'm not even, no, not at all. Um, I'm not even that, like, I'm not even that intense about okay. it. Like, if you came up to me and you were smiling, like, I'm going to smile back okay. and probably have a conversation okay. with you while I'm warming up. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I'm super lighthearted. And, and that's kind of the, the thing about being back in the warm up area is as much as you need to be intense in your focus you also need to be a nice person. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, it's just, there's a respect level and you know, the more, especially the longer the weekend goes on, the more you're around these girls and even the guys and you just, you know, you got to just be yourself. And for me, that's just, you know, if you want to have a quick conversation, I'm all about it. If you want to, you know, the first time I saw you in the weekend, I'd pop off the bike and give you a hug, you know, and then just get right back into it. I love um, that. It's not, yeah, it's not much of a distraction for me. If anything, it's it's actually pretty helpful. Yeah, I from my experience competing, there's like a real camaraderie with the athletes, and I think and then there's always those people who are like really intense, and you can usually yeah. like sense that vibe and stay away. Um, yeah, but for it, sure. And like this is me because I always competed, especially at the higher level, just because I'm not like I wasn't trying to win at the game specifically when I was there. But it's like you know. It, it was always a little bit of a damper when someone was like really serious. Um, but yep. there, there, there aren't too many people. So I was just wondering, like sometimes when you have music, it's like people are really intense, but, um, yeah. so my next, the next point is the cool down. So what does yep. that look like for you? Um, yeah. Any, like what, what does that do for you from like a benefits standpoint? Do you ever literally yep. cool down like in an ice bath? Yeah. Also. Do you do the ice bath? Uh, yes. So I, we have one, like I went and bought a tub, like one of those big giant hundred gallon tubs mm -hmm. from like, uh, I forget tractor supply or wherever. Um, so we have one here at home and we'll use it occasionally. I should be using it more often if it's available at, uh, at an event. So like our semifinal didn't have them. Like you can go to the medical tent and get like ice bags and put them on your body. <laughs> but um, at the games, it's it's readily available. So that I will do that quite often when we get there. Um, but as far as semifinals go, it was just hop on whatever machine they had there. So they had echo bikes and rowers. So every cool down was on an echo bike because I do not like rowing for cooling down. Um, in that way, you know, if it's an intense leg, like leg intensive event, you're just flushing out your legs. If you did a ton of upper body, like I'm doing both legs and arms just nice and slow for 12 to 15 minutes. And it's usually on the higher end of that for 15 minutes. Um, and while I'm doing that, I'm trying to shift my focus. So we'll have a quick like debrief for five minutes on the workout that we just did. And then it's like, okay, time to get ready for the next event. Um, and usually have a shake in the middle of that. So usually at semis, like Ben would go and get my shake ready and we bring it ben. on over while I'm sitting <laughs> on the bike. I know he's the best. <laughs> um, so he was just, he was prepared for that. So like, uh, you sent me a long email 
of, you know, each day, like what the layout should look like and what the plan should be. And I sent that to Ben. So he just had it right on his phone and he's like, okay, post event, this is what you need. Here you go. So um, part of that we talked about with Misfit was just, you know, he knew his role that weekend. Yeah. And that that's super important. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that again uh, in a bit, but that's, it's always, it's so important to have people who, who kind of know what your priorities are and can help yep. you. Cause sometimes you just get a little like fuzzy brain out there and it, it helps to have yeah. someone be like, no, go do this. Like I'll get, I'll take care of the food or, you know, shake or whatever. Yep. But no, that's really good. I don't know if you remember in, uh, in 2018, you, you might recall the, uh, the marathon row that year. Um, <laughs> I might. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, when we were, yeah, I mean, who doesn't, but the, I don't know about you, but the last like 10,000 meters of that thing. So like 45 minutes, uh, or longer, I don't know what I was rowing at that point. <laughs> All I could think about was like, I'm going to go get an ice bath. I was like, I'm not even, I'm not even really hungry. I'm just so hot. Cause there was so many people on the floor, like yep. rowing it, like the temperature was just like getting like higher and higher out there. And I was so hot and I was so overheated. The only thing I could think about was that ice bath and I get off and they weren't letting anyone in because I guess I didn't there even was, try. Yeah. There was some concern really? with like cardiac something. And so they're like, no, you can't get an ice bath after that. I was like, what? <laughs> it was so sad, but I mean, that I didn't sad. obviously didn't know that, but it did keep me going for like the last 10,000 meters of that stupid it, thing. That was like, that's such a defeating feeling when you're like, Oh my God, I only have 10,000 left. But then you're like, well, 10,000 is probably like 50 minutes at this point, And that's a really long time. <laughs> the longest I had ever rode. It was very sad. Yeah. In one sitting prior to that was 12,000 meters. And I remember getting to 12,000 <laughs> meters left and being like, only 12,000 to go. Like, that was such a <laughs> That's mental... how mental that workout. Yeah. Yeah. That's how mental it was. That was wild. We actually did, we did ice baths in our, so we had a hotel right across the street. So right after that event, it was go back and eat and do an ice bath in the tub. So yeah. it was like immediately upon that. But yep. And I'll never forget that event. I'll never yeah. forget that day. Yeah. I don't know, like you look back on that and you're like, okay, so we did a crit bike for 20 minutes. We maxed out our lifts. We did ring muscle ups and then we rode for three and a half hours. Yep. Like, holy shit. <laughs> That's it a just, big day. It's just mind boggling. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aww. Did you sit and watch that the whole time? Uh, yeah, I did. I I, I was like, like, I was so entertained by Jen Smith. She is <laughs> anti-cardio, like anti-monostructural movements. I know this about her. And so she was texting me like the day before being like, should I wear bike shorts? Like, how do I do this? And like, she, I think, wasted double the amount of energy of anyone else just from her facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> she was looking around the entire time. So she I was just like videoing classic. her, putting her up on like Instagram and stuff. It was pretty funny. <laughs> she had like, she had a, a, she had a container of Whole Foods. Out there. <laughs> like, she had like a fork going. I was like, is this a strawberry? Are you eating a strawberry right now? That's incredible. Oh my it's gosh. So funny. Like looking back on that, it's like, I wish I asked somebody like who had experience with that because I woke up the next day and had blisters and things in just uncomfortable places and yeah. spots. And oh my gosh. But isn't it also crazy that like 
you're like, okay, well, this is a four hour event. I'm going to go grab food and come back. But like, everybody pretty much sat there for four hours and just watched. Yeah. Like it was that entertaining. It's just mind boggling that like, that is as in like, that's how, you know, people love the sport is they are willing to sit for four hours and watch you just row. Yes. It was pretty (laughs) crazy. Pretty amazing. Pretty not amazing to do, but actually I do. (laughs) I really appreciate that experience. It's like one of my best memories from the sport, but I don't need to ever do that again. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. One Let's hope done. it doesn't come up. Yeah, I would like to see. I think it'd be cool to see the half marathon distance come back. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, but that's a totally yeah. different, really intensity domain at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So the the cool down. So same question as the warm up. Um, what's your like? What do you use that time for mentally? So that time, again, we'll debrief for maybe five minutes or so. Talk about the workout that we just did. Did I execute well? Um, you know, kind of, I, I don't mind seeing a leaderboard, so I don't mind knowing where I am in a workout. So I actually, at semifinals, I did like to know. Um, so kind of knowing where I sat with each event. Um, and then just using that time to kind of focus on refueling my body is super important too. So um, like event five at semifinals was the, the blackout rowing thruster chest of our event. And I was really feeling some type of way after that workout. Like I was shaking, um, you know, you're so far into the, into the weekend. It's like, you have to force feed a little bit. And I, I remember texting, I think I called you and I yeah. was like, okay, I'm not getting an answer. Is Alex around? <laughs> yeah. And well, she, she responded. So it was pretty great. Um, she's like, just get fluids in if you can. So I had Gatorade. Um, and then I eventually was able to eat, but the cool down was probably closer to like 15, 20 minutes Yeah, just because I knew I had one more event and I needed to feel as ready as I could be. Um, and just the mental shift. So you're, again, you're so far into the weekend. You're like, Oh my God, I have to do this all over again one more time. Or you're like, okay, I only have to do this one more time. Let's just do it the right way. And I'm, I'm that person who is, you know, the quote is how you do anything is how you do everything. So I made sure to do it the right way. Yeah. The right way for me. That's the thing with, with CrossFit events, a lot of the times for a lot of people, there's some point in the weekend you're and you get there and it's like, you have to make a decision to continue doing all the things that you've been doing or, or be like, I don't feel like it anymore. It's too hard or it's almost over. And you kind of mail it in. Um, Maybe like maybe if you're just like if you're there to have a good time, that's okay. But I think when you're you're there to compete and you're there to be on the podium, like you just have to put those feelings away and do the things that you don't want to do just like one or two more times. Yeah. So in just like in 2018, like being a rookie that year, by the last day, I was like I was sad. (laughs) I was sad that I had to go that like we had to keep going and like I just wasn't ready for it Meredith was like are we done yet (laughs) right exactly and I felt the same way because like you said like I wasn't there to compete to do like to get as high as I could on the leaderboard I was there to compete and see what it was all about yeah but like this year is way different so this year is giving every event as as much as I have and in doing that from start to finish yeah. 
yeah and having like you know and strategy again goes beyond how am i going to break this up what's my strategy on the floor like strategy is um paying attention to those details it's understanding where uh where other people are who you need to go out there and try to beat which we'll get to on yep. the like compete in just a second it's it's understanding right. um the big picture it's seeing the the chess board and going out there and playing chess rather than you know, just having a good time playing checkers, which was definitely <laughs> 2018 for me too. I was like, you know, what would be a great idea? Cuts. We should cut the fields. It was like, it was really fun for me for like the first day. And then I was like, so sore that I was like, I don't think I can physically continue. And yeah. then by the end it was like, I need to survive. Like right. I still was like, once you get on the floor, you can give it your best, but you do get tired of like eating when you don't feel like eating. Like, you yeah. just, the warm ups start catching up, especially when you're not like, I mean, now it's a different, even a different ball game. Like the, the, the volume is so high and like, it's so competitive, but it definitely right. weighs on you. And like, I think also like the first time you go to the games, you have no idea what it's going to be like. And that can mm -hmm. be mentally draining too. And that yeah. takes a toll. So I think like being like a, a bit of a veteran gives you a real like advantage. Yeah. Like knowing what it's going to be like at the end. Yeah, there are a lot of new younger girls in the sport too. So it's like you you have to use your experience to your advantage as much as you can. Um, oh, I was gonna say something and I forget. I forget. That's okay. I can't remember. We can. Yeah. Oh It'll come back. <laughs> Don't be mad at her. She's our guest. All right. Do you get annoyed when that happens? It happens to me all the time. I get annoyed. It happens with her all the time, and it's it is like very annoying. <laughs> Um, it's like it's there it's there it's there it's you gotta gone. keep listening it's hard. and paying attention and yeah. then it's gone it's hard for <laughs> other people when like i forget what i'm gonna say because everything i say is so valuable that they're like oh that was gonna be so good <laughs> i was so looking forward to hearing it <laughs> if it comes back we're ready for it i'm not sure that applies to you but it might i'm not not sure yet it might this is it why might. no one wants to come on the show right <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I guess the the we're going out of order here, but I think that's fine. So the the next one I think we should talk about is nutrition, and I know we talked about this a little bit um, before, but um, what, how important, or or what was that like for you, both leading up into semifinals and then also during the weekend? Eating was, I mean. I would say eating is going to be more important than I think the warm ups and the cool downs as far as the, the priorities there. Like I cannot believe the difference I feel even in just everyday training, like when I'm eating enough, like it's such a big difference over the course of a long weekend of training. And by Sundays, normally I'm clocked out and I'm like, just done but when you have the food it's like even though you kind of feel like that mentally like you're kind of done you know with everything that you have you still like your body is still able to perform like you're still capable of doing it it's just it's because you're fueling the right way so you know getting all of that dialed in for i don't know six seven eight months now nine months i think um you know it it, it shows so that's I mean, that's, again, I'll even, you know, it's one of the best decisions I made was to work with you guys and to, to work with someone who I can just openly communicate with. Um, yeah. We, we sometimes get athletes who reach out and this is not 
on a games level necessarily like that it applies to that but it also applies to people who just want to do well in the open and the open is usually february still i think february yeah over mm-hmm. february march and you get people reaching out in like january that are like i want to be like the <laughs> best i can for the open and i think like i like how you said like you know the seven to eight months of prep that's not only like you know to practice what you're going to use in competition but it's also like having your nutrition as a foundation allows you to get the most out of your training, which allows you to get to the games. Like it's all that pre, like, like it's so much more than just a couple weeks leading up or like, I'm going to dial my macros in a month before the games or the month before semis. Like one of, you know, somebody that we, we don't work with, but they, they were asking us questions like, well, I'll start, I'll start tracking like a month, like after it was after quarterfinals, I'll start tracking again. And it's kind of like, you're you've missed it like, yeah I mean you don't you definitely have yeah um, so. like so for me and when I first started working with you guys I was I hadn't tracked macros for a while and I was like okay I'm gonna recommit to doing this and it's it's just one of those things that like once you start it you know it's kind of always there for you like you always know how to do it um but I think my initial starting point was like 320 grams of carbs and like we did that for maybe a week and Meredith's like, Hmm, we're going to bump those up. So like that's eight or nine months ago and you have to continue to learn to dial it in. And I think one thing that you guys like to hear is like, Hey, I don't feel like I'm eating enough. Yeah. You know, I I think as a, from a coach's standpoint for you guys, like you want to hear that, especially when, you know, your athletes are doing said volume for, for the games. Right. Like, um, and now from going from like, you know, that many months ago to now I'm up over 450 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. So in you, like your body needs it. Like you've, there's no way I can, like, I was struggling to figure out how to, to plan what I was going to eat pre and post workout only on 320 grams of carbs. And I say only because it's like, for an athlete training at this volume that's not a lot no and in you know you have to to learn that months ago so that you are ready for the day that you need it right so um it's just like people are like yeah i want to lose 10 pounds in a month right like it's kind of the same concept there of like that's impossible you can't just dial it in a month early and be like okay i'm ready yeah Yeah. because you're not gonna you're not gonna learn enough about yourself in a month exactly yeah there's also like uh, at the games what we're seeing is a lot of people are just like eating 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 like i think as a a really just to eat yeah and just like because you can continue to eat more and more and more and not gain weight because your volume is so high and your body will adapt um it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to keep eating so like finding that sweet spot where it's like okay i'm eating enough to like perform and recover and just like feel good and be in a good mood and support things outside of training, but not so much that it's like impacting like your digestion or just like the joy of eating when it gets to a point where as a female, you're eating 600 or even 550 grams of carbs plus fat plus protein. Like that takes a toll in itself. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to train with that much like digestion and planning. And so it's right. like finding the, the right balance. And I think that's important to touch on because like if you are at all involved in the sport, like you're just seeing these girls who are just like eating, eating, eating. And I love that, 
but it's not a linear. It's not like the more you eat, the more you gain from like a performance standpoint. Um, right. So like for, for you, like apparently like that was, it seems like it was like finding the right balance. Right. Meredith. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely value in, and I think this is just where we have like philosophical differences with some other coaches in the space, but, and part of the problem, right. Is CrossFit doesn't ha- necessarily have like an off season the way that other sports do. So when I, like when you think about sports performance, nutrition, you want it to be kind of periodized the same way that training is. And even though CrossFit is less periodized, like you obviously understand misfit training. It's periodized to some extent yeah. as in the volume and intensity is variable across the year, depending on what phase of competition prep that you're in, assuming mm-hmm. that like the main priority is like game season. So like there is some value in it, like during the, the off season or the preparatory phase where you're not just like eating to eat. So like right. that's, that is a good time for that lower number, like that 320 number that right now seems quite low you know, but back then, just starting out, for some reason, when people are over 300, they kind of, you know, oh, that's so much. But, it, you know, it's not. <laughs> but it is a good time to, like, to experiment with lower numbers, you know, go with increased food quality, kind of give your, like, yep. gut a break. Um, eat enough so that you're recovering and you're still, like, progressing and, and adapting to training, but not so much that... Um, you know, you're impacting gut health in a negative way or anything like that. Yeah. And then as your volume and intensity ramps up towards the season, like that's when we, I think started to add in a lot more food, specifically carbs for you and, and go with the higher fat on the rest day and kind of really start to turn those dials from a, like, yeah, we want to maximize adaptation. We also want to make sure that like CNS recovery is good. Um, and that you're just getting like the absolute most that you can. And also, are like, um, your, your gut and your system is prepared and trained to handle the amount of food that you're going to have to throw at it during like games week. Yeah. So I think, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago too, because when I did start bumping up the carbs again, I was like, I don't really know how to fit them in. And then you're like, okay, simple things, Gatorade, applesauce, you know, fruit snacks, things like that, dried fruit. And I was like, I feel like I'm just eating sugar. Yeah. <laughs> and like to an extent, yeah, you are, but you're you also mentioned like, you know, 80% of the year you're focused on quality of food and yeah. this is kind of that time of the year where you do need to to figure out how to fit it in um in a comfortable way. So yeah. like applesauce has been like I think like a food group in itself for me lately. <laughs> like I'm literally just buying like the bigger boxes of it because yeah. it's like I'm going to use it. Um yeah. But like food quality, like you said, any other time of the year is like usually like always priority. Yeah. Um, as as far as like, you know, types of food and things like that. But right now, you know, the certain, you know, fruit, things like that, things that come by pretty easily um, have a, just a, a small shift, you know, for the type of training and the volume training right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're kind of spot on. I mean, I think, I hope so anyways, that you're kind of spot on where we want you to be before the games. Um, it's, yeah, I think that you, you benefit from being like kind of a, a higher level, higher tier athlete. You do get an off season. It's like this, this is not related to you. It's just an observation, but I think that these fringe athletes, the ones who are, uh, on the bubble for making semifinals, like maybe they're top performers in quarterfinals, but like either they make it and they don't, they kind of come last or they don't quite make it. 
those people train like animals year round because they think yeah. like, oh, I can't take any time off. or I'm going to fall behind. Like you get, you get into that mindset. There's always competitions that you can do. And right. so you, it's really easy to get stuck in this sort of endless loop of like competition prep from the way that you're like an athlete's training volume and intensity is. And you have to feed that. Like you can't not eat and expect to, to perform at all. And if you were to try to dial nutrition back, you'd probably just end up like getting injured. And so that's where I see, like, I I see people doing that. I'm just like, like really you, you can take a month off, like at least, and probably you'll be better for it. Um, you know, just lower intensity and chill out on the eating and, um, let your body kind of heal. But Yeah. yeah, we talk about that with misfit athletics too. Like, some athletes are are really good with handling volume quite often um other athletes including myself i'm not a volume monster like i can't do volume 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 i can do it for periods of time but i need to like kind of take it up take it back down level out take it up like there are times of the year like right now where the volume is very high but even like two weeks ago was like hell week for me. So with our, with our programming. So hell week is like, you try to get every single training piece in and like it, you tried meaning a hundred percent of those pieces are getting done and you feel trashed afterwards. And then you have mock games week following up right after that. So like Monday, this past Monday, I could barely walk downstairs. I was so sore just because of the accumulation of both hell week then mock games week, but also like our mock games workouts on the last day just <laughs> thrashed me. So, but it's good to experience that. So, but like right now, like my volume is down for these two days because I need to like slowly kind of ramp that back up. Yeah. So, um, and that's even within a small period of time that like, I still need to ramp it up, level it out and bring it down a little bit. Yeah. So, but it's kind of like, you know, cruising from here, like putting it on cruise control and just keeping the intensity up for the next couple of weeks and staying healthy. So I kind of, I, I hit the worst of it, the, the hardest. Yeah, of it, you're through say, it. Not the worst of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you're competing like in competition, so talking maybe just semifinals for now, what is your eating schedule looking like? Like you, it's usually, I think that, individuals started kind of closer to the early afternoon and then had another workout in the PM. And then the last day was kind of like mid morning, mid afternoon. So like, how, how does that work? I mean, obviously I kind of know what our recommendations are for athletes, but for you, obviously it varies person to person. What do you find like works best and like what kind of foods are you eating? Like pretty much what you normally eat. Do you like cut things out for competition weekends, things like that? Yep. So I, I try to keep breakfast the same almost every day. If it changes, it's either between like oatmeal or bagel. And it's, it's been pretty much oatmeal every day for the last couple months. What's in your um, oatmeal? So I usually will do lately because I get to kind of, you know, treat myself a little bit. I've been doing um, like one packet of like Quakers, like maple brown sugar with plain oats. So I double up and then I'll do... Um, I'll add extra cinnamon and I'll do dark chocolate chips on top. So that's been like my go-to lately because then the chocolate chips melt and it's just delicious. Um, <laughs> One of our coaches usually... puts cauliflower in their oatmeal and I was like, get the hell out of here. 
what are you doing? I can't. I can't. Is it you? No, 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 no. It's Jill. It's Jill. She told us this on the podcast and I was like, rat it out. Nice to know you listen to the podcast. (laughs) That is interesting. Yeah. So I do every day. I also do, I'll do two eggs and I'll saute up spinach. So I always have a green vegetable in the morning. Because otherwise, that. I don't get it in throughout the day. Yeah. So I always disgusting. have a green vegetable in the morning and at dinner. Well, you put ketchup on it. It's okay. not so bad. <laughs> not so like I the can't weird do, natural do stuff. Do you do Heinz? Heinz ketchup? Yeah. Okay, Yeah, good. we do like just regular okay, basic good. ketchup. You ever seen the ketchup um, that's like the natural and you, you dump it out and it's like brown? <laughs> you're like, it's grainy. It's you're like, like what is this made from yeah. tomatoes or something? <laughs> <laughs> get it out. Throw it in the garbage. <laughs> we don't want that. Um, no. And like, we like, that's the thing. Like we Ben eats super healthy, but like, we're okay with like the basic, you know, things at the store, you know, it's the little um, things in life. Yeah. You got to treat yourself a little bit. So that's breakfast. Um, I always have, and this is bizarre. I don't know. It's not bizarre maybe, but like probably for the past three years, I've had a Belvita bar. Just like oh, Belvita breath, yeah. breakfast biscuits. Those are like, I love them. Amazing. I started eating them a while back and I can't stop. Yeah. I love all the flavors too. I don't think I have one that I don't like. I'm going to have to go get uh, a Belvita bar now. <laughs> <laughs> they make all different ones now too. So yeah. the ones the the ones with the cream in the middle are good. Um, I always have one of those like either mid-morning or, you know, probably at some point in the middle of the day. Um, but training... Uh, Regular days, competition days, I don't do a green vegetable in the morning just because I don't want to, you know, mess up any, you know, have any indigestion. If it were to happen, I know it would probably come from the vegetable. So I don't do that on competition days. Middle of the day, it's a lot of snacking. The, like, biggest meal I'll eat is either, like, plain white rice and either egg whites or chicken. Um, and again, I am a sauce person. I'm a sauce snob. So I'll do like a little bit of barbecue sauce or ketchup on there. And then, um, or I'll do a peanut butter and jelly bagel or sandwich. So that's just an, an easy way to kind of feel full and get some fats in, in the middle of the day. Cause otherwise it's pretty low fat to go through. And then, um, again, a lot of pre and post snacks, like fruit snacks, applesauce, things like that. Uh, I use proper, proper fuels, proper recovery is a, a one-to-one carb protein ratio. Uh, so it's a great post-workout, uh, drink. And I have that after every event. Um, sometimes it's 40 grams of protein, but for events like multiple, multiple workouts in a day, uh, the recommendation is to stick to 20 grams after each event. So I usually do that. Yep. Um, fuel for fires are another snack that I like to have around because they also have some protein in them as well. And then dinners on competition days and pretty much on days at home are uh, a, sometimes a high fat meat or a lean meat and then white rice and a green vegetable and again, a sauce. So um, on competition days though, I'll, if, I, if it's a lean meat, I'll add like an avocado or something yeah. to get the fats in just to kind of backload those and help more with recovery yeah so but we pretty much eat the same 
almost every day. So it's, you know, just a change of meat or something like that. So that's always easy for us. And again, Ben was the cook when we were away at semifinals. So um, he knows what to do. Yeah. That's so helpful. That's that kind yeah. of brings us to the the next point, which is having a, a food helper in place, like someone to either do all the cooking or, you know, if you're getting meal prep delivery, they, you know, make sure that it's the right, the proper portion and delivered to you there on top of shakes, timing, all of that kind of stuff. So it sounds like right. ben, ben is the guy. Yeah, he is. It kind of sucks too, because like when you go to the games, you only get one coach's pass, but it's like your coach has so many things to think about from like a performance standpoint that like, it's hard for them to also focus on everything that you need to put in your body. So it's like, yeah. you kind of have to divvy up the, um, kind of the responsibilities there. So it's like, even though you want to limit how many decisions you have to make in the day, like you kind of have to take over and take control and, and have some ownership there. Um, just cause you want your coach focusing on the things that they need to focus on too. Right. Yeah. So, um, I haven't like fully thought about that for the games yet, but, um, just, I probably will just have everything pre-made and, and ready to go in the cooler from the hotel room so that it's just like, okay, this is for shake number one. This is shake number two, like keep it all separate. Just so like, if Gabe, my coach is going to kind of be that person to bring it over, like it's pretty simple for him too. Yeah. I, I like to plan ahead and I'm just, I like to always kind of be one or two steps ahead of, of what's coming next. So yep. You can literally like label Ziploc baggies, like right. event one time, like and you can make, you can automate that stuff big time, right. which you already know. And but. yeah. And you know, for people that don't know, like these weekends, you send me uh, a timeline for each day. And if we don't know the timeline, you're, you're always, you know, very responsive in terms of like, okay, well, I don't, I didn't find out about this until now. What do yeah. I do going forward? So you are super helpful as far as having that timeline of, of when to do things and, you know, what to have when, and you know, all that stuff. So yeah. it's not just, you know, again, taking out the decisions and the needing to kind of be on top of those things. Cause the most important thing to think about is competing. So yeah. when you can limit how much is under that is, you know, only a benefit to the athlete. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's a really great segue into the final, the last big four element, which is competing. So that's like doing the thing that you're there to do. The thing. Yeah. We do love the thing. We do. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so I think that's, sure. um, it's a, a necessary component and something that you're really good at. And probably your, your collegiate sporting history has a, plays a big role in, cause I think there's um, a lot of people who are, are, I, I call them gym class heroes. They can knock it out of the park in their own gym and then they get onto right. a semifinal or a regional floor and they can't quite put it together. So, yeah. um, what is that, what is that process like for you? Um, I think, honestly, I think experience is an advantage for me from a younger, from a younger, you know, what's the word I'm thinking of? I'm having a brain fart. Age? From my younger years, from a younger yeah. age, yeah. So even in high school, uh, I went to a private hockey school, and it was the goal was to try and get a scholarship for college. So you had to be at the top of your game, and you you had to do well then, so that you can you know do 
better in college and find the right school for you. So um, I love the, the pressure side of it. I love competing. I love being out on the floor. Like it's just Ben called it my X factor and it was, you know, it's just that it's an, it's an edge. It's an advantage. Like if you can, you know, kind of shine in the light, you're, you're going to excel at whatever workout it is and you're going to find your zone and you're going to get into that flow state a little bit. And that's like when you can get into a flow state in a workout or, you know, in whatever you're doing, like you're, you're only going to see, you know, that, that progress and that, you know, success from it. So uh, I think when I had posted about it, I talked about being vulnerable and it does put you in a vulnerable state. It puts you in a state where you can fail and it's, it's seen by the world. So um, I, I, thought that was kind of a cool way to think about it and it's it's more mental than physical if you ask me so if if you are someone who is that gym class hero and you can only you know you're a practice athlete you there's something missing on the mental side of it and it's you're to me you're afraid to put yourself out there so yeah. and you can only find out how good you are and where your where your ceiling is by putting yourself out there yeah. So I don't know. I just love it. Just yeah. I fun. think there's the, the vulnerability aspect of competition is a big deal. And it's, uh, I think that is the thing that holds people back. And a lot of, I think it's multifaceted CrossFit is a sport that you can come into without a lot of sporting history. So there's a lot of people who compete in CrossFit who never played collegiate sports or even high school sports. And they can, right. they do a pretty good job, but they, um, are sometimes held back a little bit by that lack of experience. And then, you know, social media, I think is a big part of it because for a lot of the year you can, you can put out just the best of your perfor- gym performance. And so in your head, you're True. this athlete who never fails, but then when it comes down to it and you do feel very seen, um, that sort of like juxtaposition between like, well, I'm this person on social media, but in reality, when I'm competing, I'm this person who can and probably will fail. And so it's yeah. how do you deal with that failure? And I think it's, um, that's a, a really big component to it. And I think there's this, this like balance between making it, um, like making it really personal, like taking what you're doing seriously because it's something that you love, but you don't take the failures personally. Like, they're not an indication of how, how good an athlete you are really as a whole, because athletes are going to fail. They're going to have misses. Like it happens in every single sport. Um, it's, it's when you take losses and failures personally, you lose the objectivity over like owning them, assessing them objectively, because a lot of times when a person's operating from that place, they want to look around and blame external factors. So maybe they want to blame their judge or they want to blame, the fact that their equipment was messed up or their rings were uneven or, you know, something they want to take it. They want to put it somewhere else rather than saying, look, like I just wasn't in the right mindset or I let, I let something get to me that shouldn't, I like, I didn't, I wasn't meeting my potential. And instead of like going inside and focusing on what I can control, I started focusing on what I couldn't control. And that's, um, that's going to happen in CrossFit. There are so many things you can't control. And I think that's, to that point, like you'll see a lot of athletes, you know, after they maybe didn't make it or they didn't podium or they didn't do as well as they wanted. Well, this injury happened. I was dealing with this pre-event. I was dealing with this a couple weeks ago. And I, 
I'm not a huge fan of that. Like your performance is your performance. Like whatever happened, happened. You can't, you can't change it. Right. Like maybe it was part of the reason, but also like your performance is your performance. Like you gave what you had and you worked with what you had. Um, I actually give a lot of respect to Katrin because she put herself out there in the last chance qualifier and didn't make it. And she just said, you know, I, I really wanted it and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen this time. So, and I think for her, that's going to be a big fuel to the fire for her next year. And I have, I just have a lot of respect for people, like you said, that can take ownership because at the end of the day, that's, that's going to make you a better athlete too. Um, and that's going to help you deal with adversity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of in a nutshell, I guess, to kind of wrap it up, um, you coach a lot of regular gym goers, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to put it in one way. How does how do these four concepts apply to somebody who's maybe not a games athlete? Well, I mean, nutrition, obviously, you know, we talk about that being more important than the activity that you're doing in the gym. So um, that probably should get the most emphasis out of all four of these things here. Um, she said it right. <laughs> Glad we went over that before the, uh, the podcast. <laughs> um, warm ups and cool downs. I, I kind of wish we would put a little bit more emphasis on this. And I think of this more as like affiliates as a whole, not just like where I'm from. Um, I, I think the importance of it, of people just getting low intensity activity in like from start to finish with that little bit of intensity in the middle, like you got to sandwich it. And I think that that, you know, is going to help people, you know, less injuries are going to happen. I think people are going to enjoy it more um, when they realize like, okay, I can move for this actual, you know, 20 to 40 minutes period of time and still feel good at the end of it. Um, I think they would see benefit in that. I think, you know, every affiliate is going to go through a good warm up. Um, but I think the cool down factor is missing at a lot of gyms. So I kind of wish we can put that in there more. And I think it's a great time for people to socialize as well. So like you literally just went through a hard workout. A cool down is a great time to, to debrief and to, to reflect on what you just did and to do and do it with the people that you just did it with. So I think it's a good way to bring the community together as well. And then I think competing, I think every athlete should try to put themselves out there. I think, you know, whether it's a a team event, a partner event, like, or an individual event, I think you need to see if you can handle that kind of pressure, right? Like you gotta, again, you gotta get vulnerable. So you gotta put yourself out there just like you do in your relationships and, and, you know, at work, right? Like, you are only going to make yourself better for trying. And and I think it's worth giving a shot. Yeah. That's a great takeaway. I agree. I always, I think everyone should, that's why I kind of like CrossFit is Mm -hmm. I think no matter what kind of athlete you are, whether you're just doing it for health or whether you're doing it for, um, you know, sport, there's always a workout that you look at and you're like, Oh, I don't know. But it's (laughs) like the three, two, one go. And you just, you know, it's just, you just do it and you're doing it with other people and you're in it together and then you do it 
and you're there's so much satisfaction. It's like, wow, I did that. And I think that sets you up for other areas in your life where it's like, okay, all we need to do is do like a three, two, one, go dive mm-hmm. into it, do my best and like see where I end up. And like every time you do it, you're going to get better and better. It doesn't get easier, but like, right. and you just, you do more, but you kind of get comfortable with like being uncomfortable, which allows you to push forward as a human being. Yeah. And I think competition, like putting your, even if you're comfortable in class, like doing the open or registering for a, like a team event of some kind, like a local event, I think that can be a really like big growing experience. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. And to that point too, is like, well, what happens if you don't try? You're never going to know, you know, mm-hmm. like the worst that happens if you do try, you find out if you love it or you hate it, or, you know, you get mixed feelings about it. But if you don't try, you'll never know. I think a lot of people are afraid of being embarrassed or letting others down. And it's like, I don't want to sound insensitive when I say this, but I'm always like, no one cares. No one is watching the last person and then like, they shouldn't even signed up. And if there is that person who's saying that, who cares? That guy can just go go, like, you know, but it's (laughs) no one, everyone, as long as you're not, you know, in some weird sport where like, it's not. Uh, support like you don't have a supportive community I think CrossFit running like all the things that we've ever been involved in you're just constantly trying to like encourage other people and it doesn't matter like you know as long as they're giving it their best that's you know that's what everyone's there to do yeah we have a we do like a skills and drills class and I get to coach it on Thursdays and a couple weeks ago we were gonna do we were going over handstand walk and you know, the proper safe way to fail out of a handstand walk is learning how to somersault and tucking your chin to your chest and rolling out of it. And I had a guy who I could tell was very hesitant to try a somersault because he didn't want to look bad because he knew he was going to be clumsy trying to do a somersault. But like one of the best parts about being a coach is watching athletes just try. Like, whether you do it well or you look like a goofball, like you're trying and that's all I could ask for as a coach. And, you know, you, again, he put himself out there. He got see red in the face, but he did it. We joked about it and you just got to make people feel comfortable in those situations. And for everybody, for every individual, it's a different way to make them feel comfortable. And you have to, as a coach, you have to kind of read those signs. Yeah. Yeah. One of my clients asked me once, um, what part of my job brings me the most fulfillment. And I think her idea was, you know, any elite athlete that I coach is the most exciting person to coach and brings me the most fulfillment. Like seeing you qualify for the games. Like, I know you're not my client, you're Meredith's client, but like, you know, I have clients who, who go to semifinals or who compete, who are going to be competing at Can West. And like, I love supporting those people, but I don't think their success brings me any more fulfillment as a coach than like somebody just like having a, a really successful like barbecue where they don't overeat or they go in with a plan and stick to it or they're, right. you know, improving their relationship with the food. It, it's kind of like you said, it's like, kind of seeing the athlete or the person kind of fumble their way through and give it their best and grow in that way is more fulfilling than an athlete get getting to the games. No offense, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's all, <laughs> all of that matters. And all of that is, right. is, is such important personal growth. For sure. I agree. I, and it's funny too, because like a, a couple of people ask me about it. Like they, a lot of people know that I work with you and they're like, well, why aren't they sponsoring you? And I'm like, 
that's that's not the relationship I have with you guys. And that's not like what I'm asking for. I'm simply doing this for myself. And, um, you know, me talking about you guys is simply, it's not, it's not forced. It's not paid. It's not, you know, it's not advertisement. It's just, this is my life. And this is just the benefit I've seen from working with you guys. And like, that that's what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not reaching for anything outside of that. You know what I mean? Like, and this isn't so I wasn't like trying to like throw, you know, a cough, cough hint at you guys like that. (laughs) That's not what I was going for. Um, But it is a question that pops up. And, you know, but like, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of athletes out there who are sponsored by um, another big nutrition company. And all it is, is a financial arrangement. Like they're, they don't get right. a lot of, they don't get any value working with those coaches. If they work with them at all, they probably don't like we have helped athletes who are sponsored by another nutrition company. And so right. what, like the most important That's thing crazy. to us is that it's crazy, right? Is, um, yeah. making sure that like, that you're taken care of, like there's, um, just the fundamentals are in check. Like, you're ready to go when it's time to compete. Like that's, that's, that's the priority. Yeah. I think, I think my, my main point I was getting at was you aren't targeting the elite community specifically. Like you are targeting the everyday community and that like, that's where your focus is and that's where your importance is. But you're also like, there's an umbrella under that. And an elite athlete is one of those things under the umbrella. And that's where I come in. So that, that was more of what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, and why I, I, you know, like working with you guys. So yeah, yeah. the, it's that saying <laughs> the, the needs of an elite athlete and a grandmother vary by degree, not kind. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's, we're just a big umbrella. You're under it. Uh, someone who doesn't exercise at all is under it. We're right. all one big happy family under the umbrella. <laughs> so this has been great. Yeah. Um, this was a really good conversation. So thank you for yeah. taking the time to have it with us. Um, absolutely. The games, tell us the dates of the games so people know when to tune in. So the will start, as far as we know, August 3rd through August 7th. Yeah. So that is Wednesday through Sunday. Perfect. So they are coming up very, very quickly. Yes. That's for sure. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, it was great having you again. And thank you. Um, hopefully you we a, can. Sorry, before you, do you have a, any sort of, I'm not, I might just be out of touch, but do you have a, a fundraiser of any kind, like t- selling t-shirts or anything like that? Um, so my mom actually went and put a shirt out there for uh, myself. And we actually have a teenage athlete competing out of our gym. She's a 14 year old, Caroline Sabatini. So she is the second Sabatini to be competing at the I games. I knew that. I was like, I know I that thought name. your name was Samantha. Yep. Alex. My last name is Semenza. Yeah. No, really terrible. So, I don't know. Semenza <laughs> Sabatini. We're like, I mean, when it comes to the games, we've always gone together. So it's yeah. kind of cool because we come out of CrossFit Vertex. So um, I'll share a link in my Instagram story. Um, awesome. My mom is, is kind of planning this one. There is the potential that Misfit Athletics is doing one more presale. It's not it's not guaranteed yet. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, oh, Misfit kinda... does a separate thing. Yeah. So okay. this is separate. So my mom kind of wanted to do something for the two of us, um, for our gym specifically. So I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and it is fun to, to support with, I, I like getting to, to have a shirt with Caroline and cause we kind of did that 
um, we didn't really do like a specific shirt for myself and Gigi, but it was just, you know, it's, it's a cool way to, to keep us together and keep us connected. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But outside of that, Misfit Athletics might be doing, um, I'm still waiting to hear back, but they might be doing like an athlete collection and sweet. there's going to be a pretty cool logo for myself if, if it does come to fruition. So we'll see. Awesome. Um, we'll but if that, that, yeah, if that does come out, I'll, I'll share that as well. So cool. I'll let my mom know she might get an influx of orders. <laughs> If, yeah, uh, if well, we do have a million. So. We have a million Whoop. listeners, so you know you might get a couple. Awesome. You might get that a couple really of t-shirts. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely put it in the show notes for people. Um, All right, cool. Yeah, but Absolutely. thanks again um, for your time and yeah, wisdom thank you guys and perspective. It's always yeah. cool catching up with you. So I appreciate talking with you guys as well. So All thanks right. for having me. You're welcome. We'll do it again soon. All right, bye guys. Okay. Bye.